Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. You're listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. This is Paul Hawksby. And welcome once again to the H&J Daily, some of the best bits of this afternoon's show. Well, uh, we covered some ground once again with the various topics of discussion. Yes, we did, really. Um, we also uh, were joined this year by a filmmaker, and uh, he'd not been in for seven years when he was looking to raise the money uh, for the film he was uh, chatting about. Uh, but he has got it now. He's come back now, now he's made his film. Oh, yeah, but it's great. It's about Frank Sidebottom, comic genius, of brilliant. course, no longer with us, Chris Seavey, but uh, a brilliant character and an interesting film, and you'll hear lots about that. And, um, Britain's leading penny farthing rider. Yeah, uh, he's he's going to ride from uh, Land's End at John O'Groats in five days on a penny farthing, really. Um, so that, and here it all is. <laughs> Good afternoon, Paul. I watched uh, quite an entertaining under-21 friendly between England and Germany last yeah. night. Uh, pretty enjoyable. Mm. Uh, Germany well on top, as Moose said, in the first half. Could have been 3 or 4 nil up. But uh, it, finished, it was 1-1 at half-time. And then in the ending, they were a little bit unlucky to lose at the death. But it was a, you know, a good performance and a lot to look forward to in the summer. I think Solanke. I've, I've liked this player for a long time. When he yeah. was at Chelsea, I was incredibly disappointed that he chose to go to Liverpool. He didn't really get a chance there. But he could be, either next summer or certainly by 2022, a real alternative to Harry Kane. Do you think you'll get, you think you'll get a run of games at Liverpool? Do you think you'll get enough football to, no, to no, train on? No, no, he's going to Bournemouth, hasn't he? Oh, oh, yeah, of course. That's what I mean. Of I was, course. You know, yeah, yes. yeah, I was disappointed when he went to Liverpool, but he went to yeah. Bournemouth. Hopefully he will play a lot more now. And is that, is he... Has he been sold to balls? He got sold. He, got, he, got, he actually yeah, was sold. sold okay. He actually decided Fair to enough. take. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Him. Yeah, I like him. He's got something about him. So mm. yeah, that was good. The most amusing thing though was uh, halftime. Uh, Shane Warne and uh, uh, Goffey's hair transplant ad. Have you, I don't know if you've seen it. No, I've not. No, no. Well, I'd say the acting makes the Sturmy Archers look like Hamlet. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> it's not great. No, but is it? Was there acting in it then? Is it acting? Well, sort of. It just... sort of. Sort of acting. Well, to talk us through. I've not seen him. What, what well, happens in the ad? Uh, I think Shane says something like... So, so who's in it? That's what I mean. Oh, yeah, Shane Warne and Darren Goff. And Darren Goff, okay. So Shane says to Goffy something like, yeah, your hair's looking pretty good at the moment. Oh, aye, it's not too bad, is it? Yeah. <laughs> it's that, that sort of thing, really. And yeah, and he says, Shane says, oh, yeah, thanks to X, whoever company it is, I oh, don't yeah, remember. Yeah. And, uh, for, for Shouldn't they have done it in the style of <laughs> all those great ads, you know? <laughs> 
Yeah, hey, hey, look, your hair's looking great in the moment. Oh, yeah, because that's because I go to ex-hair transplants. Ex-hair transplants? Yes, I, ex-hair transplants. What, the one? Yeah, good, the, I can't do the voices. I've got Tommy Cooper. What, the one in the high the street? One, yeah, good afternoon. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah something like so, that. So, yeah, yeah, one in the high street. What was that number again? They should have done it like that, shouldn't yeah, they? Very much so, mm. yeah. And uh, Germany had a player called Stenzel, uh, which I thought, <laughs> obviously, Banks' his favourite player. And I like the idea they spray paint him at the end of the game. They put him up against the... Stencil. Stencil. Yeah. They put him up against the wall yeah. and then paint round his outline. That's a nice left. sign. Good old stencil. Yeah, <laughs> pictures of him everywhere. What, what did you think of the young German side? Were good. they good? Very good. Very, yeah, okay. I tell you, if I was a Leicester fan, I'd be mm. very, very excited. Would you? Because they've got so much young English talent. Mm. It, it, when you add it up, it's mad. Yeah. Harvey Barnes, who played really well. Yeah, yeah. Chilwell has done great. Chowdhury, who came on. Yeah. Madison, who came on. Damari Gray started and played the whole game. That's young. Five yeah, I young, know. You know that is a, something really to build on for Brendan Rodgers. I, I, I think they can. They have bought push I mean, towards top six. We often talk about sort of Tottenham and, and young talent, but you know, you look at Leicester have bought a lot of that in. They did with Gray and they had with Barnes mm, yeah. as well. But mm. but still, it's good it, scouting. Yeah, good there. scouting mm. and, and a sensible approach. You know, they all look like they can cut it, don't they? So yeah, you're right. I think yeah. Jeff Peters and Co should be. Uh, all very delighted about the future for their club, really. Now, I heard David Seaman on the show this morning, and mm. I saw him actually leaving the uh, office today okay, yeah. as I was coming in and uh, said that I had a chat with him. And I was looking at him, and the, there's a big ad for him and Ali McCoy today in the, yeah. in the Sun and in the Times. And uh, I was looking at him, and I was thinking, you know what, you do look better with your moustache. So I, I've done a, a comparison. Would, mm. you, would you not say... That suits David Seaman better than no mistake. I'm just you've just drawn one on. I, no, I think I, I think he looks fine without it. It's just that there is he has quite a, quite a big top lip, doesn't he? Yeah, I think it works well yeah. for me. I, I think I might leave this for him in his locker. Really? Well, you know, just a I did this many years ago. Hint. I did it many years ago on Sky with uh, Kenny Sanson. I did a show with Kenny, and I said. Um, I always thought you looked great with a Tashkem. What did you get rid of it for? And he was telling me why. So we had a vote on the show, and at the end of it, more people <laughs> felt he looked better. So really? we got a bit of electrical tape. And so for the final <laughs> shot of the show, yeah. and it's good night for me, it's good night from Kenny, and, and he did. He looked a million a good dollars. Idea. So yeah, I think yeah. you know. It's, it's You've got to be careful how you use that electrical tape. You don't want it looking too Germanic, sort of thing. You no, need to be long. Enough, oh no, it was quite long. It wasn't just <laughs> under his nose. That's not the way. No, we kind of reenacted the the kind of length of Kenny's uh, Tash yes, in, in those days, of course. Well done. Good. <laughs> anyway, what's coming up today? Uh, I hear. Well, you, you may not. I you may not care. Cleared my throat in this new studio. It'll be a new thing. Okay, you make it. <coughs> Thank you very much. I've inaugurated it. I think you probably Thank you. have the Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from Talksport. Hawksby Andy Jacobs here on Talk Sport, and uh, our next guest we chat to Steve Sullivan. He, uh, he joined us about seven years ago on the show, just about to do a, a, a Kickstarter campaign to make a film, The Life of the uh, Great uh, Frank Sidebottom, and his creator, the man inside the head, Chris Seavey. Uh, the film's done there, we're really delighted to say, and before we chat about it, let's hear a little bit from the trailer. Hello, Frank Sidebottom here! Can I just try one of them? Is that all right? No, no, oh. no. There is a different way of looking at the world. There's a different way of acting in this world. He was his own comedy universe. No one's ever seen him with his head off. That was the big thing. Clearly, this was a man on a mission of rank insanity. <laughs> <laughs> 
when I met him, he came to work in the factory. This guy walks in. I just realised then and then, I am so in love with this person. Great fun growing up, had the time of our lives. I can remember us going to a fancy dress party and he made a paper mache head and it was Frank. There we are, just a taste mm. of the film uh, being Frank. And, and we're uh, with the man who has seen him with his head off. Yes, that's right. Um, and it's uh, Steve Sullivan. Good afternoon, Steve. Good to see Hi, you. thanks for having me on. Yeah. Oh, look, so we're so chuffed that, it, that the film mm. did get made, but it, it kind of proves how long it takes seven years of, of hard work and fundraising. Yeah, it's been a bit of a labour of love, um, kind of crowdfunding it, crowdsourcing it, um, tracking down all the people that knew... Uh, who was behind Frank Sidebottom's head all those years and kept it all quiet and mysterious, yeah. um, interviewing them and then years of editing it all together. Chris came on with us a couple of times, not in the studio, on the phone, to chat about a couple of football projects he was doing uh, over the years. And um, from from what we know of his story, I'm guessing that when he spoke to us, even though he was at home on the phone, he... he and he probably just didn't put the nose clip on. He probably put the head on as well because Chris and Frank were very different, weren't they? Yeah, he he would often put Frank's head on if he was just going to be on the radio, um, <laughs> you know, in a radio studio where there's no no need to do it. But yeah. um, you know, it was it was that in depth for him to become Frank Sidebottom. It was a complete separate persona to to his real life, and it was a complete fictional world that he created for this character. It was a one-off, wasn't it, an original, and and kind of in a unique um, sort of British absurdist tradition, you know, of which there have been other people, I suppose, like Harry Hill and uh, Spike Milligan and all those sort of absurdists. You know, he was in that envelope, wasn't he, and possibly not as recognised as others. Yeah, he, he, he. I mean, you've hit the nail on the head. He was a total absurdist, and I think he was influenced <coughs> by Monty Python and the Goons very much so. Mm. Um, uh, you mentioned Harry Hill. I mean, a lot of those people come after mm. Frank. He was kind of like the only person in the 80s when it was all about alternative comedy and very political comedy. He was just flying the flag forward, just just being a, a, a weirdo, you being know, silly. you know, being very daft and silly. Mm. Mm. Um, and he absolutely loved it. But it's the extent that he took it to as well. I mean, um, Frank Sidebottom had his own Sunday League football team. You know, mm. called the Timply Big Shorts, and no matter where Chris was in the world, well, normally in the UK, doing his act, he had to be back Sunday mornings so Frank could be down the park pitch managing his own Sunday league team. You know, it's like that's that's the extent to which he took it, and that's not a performance for money either. That's just Frank wanting to have his own Sunday league team. Mm. Um, no one's getting paid anything to do that, but the creativity carries on down the park on a, on a Sunday morning. Yeah, he did. The, the, the football wise, the the, the shirt, the Timberley Big Shorts. Is, a kind, is the kind of old city away strip so you think he's a City fan but he loved Altrincham didn't he and he actually did some bits for United as well well Frank Frank was an Altrincham fan yeah. um, until they asked him not to be anymore because he got he, he said he got his head stuck in the turnstile uh, <laughs> one week and the fire brigade had to cut him out um, but yeah Frank used to be on like match of the day when Altrincham had a good cup run or mm. something like that Chris Seavey was a was a Blue, he was a massive city fan, right? Um, Which is probably why they had that, that classic old black and uh, mm. black and red strip, yeah. The away shirt, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah sure the, but um, in the film, we discover that, that kind of Chris had his his demons as well, didn't he? He kind of with Frank going out on the road with Frank, uh, lived a bit of a rock and roll lifestyle. Yeah, he did. You know, he did for sure. He was. Um, uh, his wife describes him as quite a compulsive character, Chris mm. Evie. So, um, yeah, there was there was drink involved and there was drugs, and um, and the film doesn't shy away from that. You know, the, the whole point of the film was to actually. That's why it's called Being Frank. It was about people being honest about this very secretive guy and what he was like all those years. And you know, Chris was somebody who absolutely lived his life 
to extremes, um, both with alcohol, but also with creativity and felt it pens and yeah. and everything else. You know, he was a compulsive workaholic. Lots of people in in his orbit. We heard some of them there. Some of those comedians that, that loved him. Some of those that knew him. John Ronson's involved as well. Johnny he? Vegas. We heard. Yeah, the, we John Ronson Reckless. was in his band, wasn't he? He ended up in the end up in uh, in Frank Side Bottom's band touring in, with in him. the old Blimey Big Band for yeah. a couple of years. Yeah, and so was Mark Radcliffe yeah. uh, as well. So was Chris's brother Martin and the bass player from the Freshies, Rick Sarko, and all kinds of unusual musicians and performers kind of came together to be Frank's backing band. Um, but despite the talent they all had, I mean, they, they barely rehearsed. Um, they were, the, you know, and they were, as some, his brother says, they were doing bad versions of other people's songs yeah. with no rehearsal, which is what Frank wanted it to be like. He wanted it to be shambolic. If people are, sorry, Paul, if people are unaware of uh, Frank, there's plenty on YouTube. I watched a very funny bit just before the show in Blackpool, a very yep. funny piece. Yeah, yeah. And so people might want to familiarise themselves with him before they watch the film and give it a bit more context, perhaps. Yeah, I mean, but also what I found with the film as well is that even Frank's biggest fans who know everything about Frank Sidebottom, they still don't know very much about who was the man inside the head. And mm. that's what the film does is for that's the first time it takes you inside the head and reveals the, the, the artist who was in there for decades and what you, he was trying to do. You worked with Frank and Chris and uh, mm. you spent more time, you made a film with him, didn't you? And you, you kind of spent more time with Frank, very little time with Chris, really. Yeah, we did a, we did a film called The Magical Templi Tour together, which was Frank Sidebottom um, taking a hundred of his biggest fans on an open-top bus trip around the village of Timperley, which is an <laughs> obscure village on the edge of Manchester. Yeah, yeah. And um, the joke was, it's a, it's a village, but you're having a day trip around it. So, you know, he would take people to... Uh, the post office and show you the fact that they've got two post boxes outside the post office one for left-handed people one for right-handed <laughs> yeah, people yeah, yeah. he also wanted to have a lock-in at the chippy and and cram as many people in that we could set the british record for the most number of people in a chip shop at yeah. one time you know so it was just this absurd day out but yeah I, I met chris for about five minutes that day and and the five minutes i spent with him they just left me with more questions than, <laughs> than answers you know hence this film did he write and plan all this stuff or was it kind of just he'd got he'd get an idea and then he'd just go with it? I, th I think he mm. would just create mm. everything in the moment. I don't think really? he had much of a long-term plan for most of his life. He would just, what can I think of today that's going to amuse me? What's going to be funny right now? Um, and that's what he wanted to do. And yeah. that's what he spent his time doing. Interesting. He, he, he did love football. He kept coming back to football with the camera. It wasn't just that. It's some very funny stuff. It's got absolutely nothing to do with football. But The World Cup shirt. World Cup shirt. The World Cup song. Mm. Three shirts on my line. That's <laughs> it. That's where I think we may have spoken to him. But he had an old album years ago. He had to, You're going home on an organised football coach. Yeah. And there's only yeah. one referee. And there's two linesmen. But there's yeah. only one referee. And nil, 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 nil was on it as well. So yeah, that was nil. The nil-nil champ was one of, one of his one of his greatest moments for Altrincham. Yeah, mm. yeah. So it, it's, it's a sad story, isn't it? Because uh, Chris, so I think we probably spoke to him last time, shortly before he died. He died in two thousand and ten. Yeah, yeah, he did. Which was a real shame, but um, you know, the, when he died, one of the stories around Chris was how how tragic it was that he died so young at fifty four. But what the film kind of shows, and what I discovered from making it, is just how much work he managed to make in the, in those fifty four years. It's extraordinary how much mm. he did. I mean, we're talking. I had hundreds of hours of footage, and hundreds of hours of radio, and hundreds of hours of just at work in progress, and everything he was just so compulsively creative not just as frank but also as chris and the stuff that he made as chris most people haven't seen even if they're really familiar with frank yeah. and a lot That's of love for the character i mean to the point where 
You know, they crowdfunded the statue of him in Timperley, haven't yeah. they? This one there. Yeah. In, in this, have you seen the statue? It's, yeah. fan, it's fantastic. Oh, it's beautiful. And, uh, you know, the thing I've always said I loved about this, the statue is it's not it's not on a plinth. It's not, no. it's not raised above you. He's on your level. He's just on the, gr- on the ground floor. So you can go and just hang out with him. Yeah. Um, yeah. He would have loved City's success. Oh, yeah, might, that's true. You know, it's, yeah. Might not have liked the way it happened, but the way it came yeah, around, but he would have loved the, the He may not have understood City's success. I just thought he like, wasn't used to success. No, no, that's I would have just loved him yeah. when all the hierarchy had come over from the Middle East and uh, he was asked to play one of the lounges. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That would have been fantastic, yeah. wouldn't it? <laughs> well, there, there, is a, there is a story that got cut out of the film where Frank was asked to do um, some half-time entertainment at Man City at Main Road and um, he said to them, all I need is a little card table in the middle of the centre circle and, and I'm sorted. So Frank went out at half time and started doing sleight of hand close up magic <laughs> in a stadium where he's holding up the card to like the home fans who are 70 yards away going, Is that your card? And bearing in mind, they can't hear what he's saying either because yeah. um, he's not mic'd up, he's just in this head um so they just booed him off but he loved that you know he was like that's that's a great gig that's a great performance if you can leave like seventy thousand people just absolutely baffled then then that suited frank sidebottom i thought your analogy with grayson perry was interesting I there's, there yeah, is that kind of that it's in that living sort of, artist it is it's sort of a it was performance art really it was more than just a funny character at times it was proper performance art wasn't it yeah really? for definite there is there is an artist at work inside mm. frank sidebottom's head and even though he made everything look amateurish cheap throwaway and silly underneath there was the soul of an artist you know as valid as van gogh or anybody trying to trying to just put out his statement of what he thought about the world um the irony is that he he, he, chris became taken over by frank in the end and it became frank not chris that actually existed as far as most people were concerned so um where can we see the film then well it comes out on friday uh in cinemas and it comes out on digital as well um we have a website called beingfrank.film where people can find out where it's showing nearest to them um and book tickets or they can watch it at home online the hawksby and jacobs daily podcast hey i'm ryan reynolds at mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have, like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> a lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. And so much more. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.
The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. Uh, talking of age, uh, congratulations to Major Jeff Bird of Exeter. Jeff Bird. And he's 102. Oh, yeah. And he puts his 102-year longevity down to... A glass of whiskey and swimming every day. Porridge. Oh, okay. That was the other of the three. Yeah. Does he have a little little bit of whiskey in the porridge? He didn't mention whiskey, he just mentioned porridge. Okay, fantastic. So that's if you want to live for long, just have porridge and whiskey. Preferably together every morning. I'll do it. <laughs> well, he didn't mention whiskey, Andy. Well, it's not a lot of people, people do, don't they? Mick um, <laughs> McCarthy was at it again mm. last night. You see, that was a good, good result. Back to back wins. Uh, mm. Not no bad thing. And uh, they were getting stuck into John Delaney again, the FAI uh, executive vice president. They were throwing tennis balls. To they were throwing tennis balls. On breakfast. That's right. They were th- a lot of tennis balls. Um, and Paddy Power, Mick said, Paddy Power were taking odds on me getting hit on the head with one of the balls. <laughs> yeah. So he said, I turned around ready to head one back. Come on, he would have done. He is good value, Mick, isn't he? Of course really? he is, yeah. yeah. He, 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 had a, he had a, uh, yeah... Um, Guy Havard uh, was interviewing him, I think, for Sky. And uh, and I, I said, if I say the word Saipan, uh, 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 what do you say to that? He said, well, in my house, we have a... I can't... Expletive of the day. <laughs> Anybody <laughs> mentions that word? So he said, congratulations, Guy. You're the expletive of the day. That's fantastic. But, uh, yeah, he's, it, in, certainly from a, a press point of view, it's good to have him back. No, absolutely. And uh, hopefully he'll do, he'll do a good job. Uh, we had a bit of an interesting incident in the office earlier when one of our colleagues turned to another one of the colleagues and said, how's your weekend? On a Wednesday. That's On a good, Wednesday. That's we felt quite that was contentious. Definitely not right. I'm surely there's You're a almost Tuesday a, cutoff I mean, he that. was halfway through Wednesday, <laughs> so he could have easily have said, "What have you got planned for the weekend?" <laughs> That's also it was as early. relevant. It was as relevant, wasn't it, Andy? There we, is. We, we can't allow that. Tuesday, what are you going for? Tuesday morning? Do you have a good weekend? Tuesday morning is that That's the cut-off? It, cut-off Tuesday That's morning. It. That's it. You can't say it Tuesday afternoon. Yeah. Um, Jerry Spice. Jerry uh, Horner. It's not really a name. Jerry, Jerry Horner. Spice. Well, you know, Jerry Halliwell Spice Horner, to give her a full title, has hired a voice coach to ensure her singing. No, it's true. I'm just saying, I'm agreeing with the producer, no one has ever called her Jerry Spice. (laughs) Of all the things she's been called over the years, Jerry Spice, (laughs) apart from by your name. What was she? She she wasn't Posh Spice. It was Posh Spice Baby. Sport? No, she wasn't sporty. No, she wasn't sporty. That'd be ridiculous. You're getting that wrong. Ginger. She was ginger. Yeah, ginger. That's, that's it. Yeah. God, such a long time, isn't he it? He doesn't remember the Spice Girls, well, does he? He probably wasn't even born. No, he? I don't think he was. <laughs> anyway, she's hired a voice coach to ensure her singing is note perfect. Oh yeah. Good luck with that one. Well, you never know. You never know. Yeah. Good um, happen. She doesn't want to be shown up. Okay. Says, well, you don't. Well, you, you know, mean, you know in that, who would in, in that environment? It's very true, John. Very, very true. Um, Frankie Dettori said that he learnt to speak English watching EastEnders and Les Dawson. <laughs> does he do get out of my pub? <laughs> get out of my pub. It does lend itself to a kind of Anglo-Italian accent. Get out of my pub. I thought that thing where Les never actually spoke but implied to Roy Barraclough. You know that thing where he'd sort of go... Oh, yeah, just pull the faces. Pull yeah. the faces. What, so what was the other show he watched? He watched Les Dawson. Les Dawson and uh, EastEnders. And he said that's how he learnt to speak English. So has he got a succession of very clever mother-in-law gags <laughs> as well? I have. It's very possible. Yeah. And, and what, pretty decent pianist as well. Very, really. very yeah. true. Yeah. And uh, see, I'm putting off having a Chelsea rant. I'm so... Honestly, this, this international break has been a disaster, really. We've had well, Olivier... I two of your players have played brilliantly in the well, yeah, for England. So what's your problem? Because you've got Olivier Giroud, who is... I yeah. think he's third or fourth on the French all-time scorers list. Mm. He won the World Cup in the summer, if I'm not mistaken. 
mistaken, yeah, yeah, yeah. playing pretty well. But he's unhappy. He's saying, well, you know, we've been told we might have to stay, but, you know, I want to play. So that's a, that's one that's unhappy. Christensen, who's one of the best young defenders in Europe, he played three games this year. He's unhappy. Mm. Hudson-Odoi, according to the Times, he still wants to leave. Uh, Loftus-Cheek has definitely not played enough. Barkley hasn't played enough. But my favourite Kovacic, she doesn't even belong to Chelsea and won't be there next time. I'm really, really fed up with this manager. The idea, he's got this mad idea that you can only play 14 players because Pep Pep Guardiola has really steered this bloke a pup. He said to him, you know, oh, you can only play 14 players. That's all you can teach in one season. So meanwhile, he's got nine players in the squad who are completely and utterly unhappy who never get a look in. You know, it's 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 a real you know it's a real turn off for any. So. Do you want to? I've got something lighter for you. We're not for the man of the time. This is a little piece that appeared uh, in the Guardian or on the Guardian website. Mm. It's the it's a tale of a referee smuggled out of the dressing rooms after fans turned ugly. And in 1951, mm, really? it was Norwich City versus Newport County, a game in the old Third Division South. Mm. And the weather was appalling, and quite a lot of sporting events had been called off in the immediate vicinity. But the referee decided. A.H. Blythe, when referees were known just by their initials. Oh, I remember A.H. Yeah. Blythe. You remember A.H. Blythe, do you? Yeah, yeah. A.H. <laughs> do you ever saw you off? You do, you, do you remember him? Of course not. Okay, well, I'm going No, the only ones, I, the earliest you're one. You're of an could... age, I thought you might have know. known him. Ken Aston is the earliest one. Oh, yeah, one yeah. Well, he wasn't involved. This is A.H. Blythe. <laughs> okay. Or maybe it's R. Blythe. I don't know. I'm guessing it's A.H. So he examined the pitch, said the game, <laughs> no, to R as his friends. So um, yeah. the game goes on yeah. and Newport go 5-1 up. Hmm. And the weather gets uh, worse. And the turning point for him, which tells you all kind of all you need to know about the heavy ball argument from the old mm. days, is uh, one of the players heads the ball and is knocked out, knocked clean out by heading back a powerful uh, drive. And at that point, he thinks it's far too dangerous. And he abandons the match with the, with the home team winning 5-1. You can't do that. Well, um, he finished the game early. He felt a bit rough himself, apparently, and collapsed with exhaustion in the dressing room. <laughs> Why so once, they, once they got him <laughs> back there. Um, he wouldn't pass the test today, would he? So while he was lying there, semi-conscious in the dressing room, ah, Blythe, um, <laughs> 2,000 people gathered round. Oh, yeah. 2,000 irate Newport fans. <laughs> and it was decided by the police they would dress him up as a St John's ambulance man and get him into a police car. <laughs> and then... Because of that St John's ambulance man looks quite ill, doesn't yeah, he? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And remarkably him, like, ah, Blythe. It took, it, it took him to the station. <laughs> so it's the old thing about... The, the crowd were with me all the way, but I managed to say, shake him off at the station but yeah what about that oh, one of the rare, rare occasions when a referee or official uh, had to be smuggled out the ground in, in different uniform great, anyway great um, we've uh, been rejoined, rejoined by Joe Shannon with some breaking news It's a, okay. Yeah. There was, a, there was a, a, quite a dramatic pause there. You could have heard. News. Yeah, that's nice. The Frank side bottom yeah, one. Thank you. Anyway, uh, Joe, sorry, uh, tell us what's happened. Yes, Paul, this is not entirely unexpected. We've been hearing about it throughout the day, but it has been confirmed now in the last few minutes that Gordon Taylor is stepping down as the chief executive of the PFA after nearly four decades in the job. His position, of course, has come under pressure following a power struggle between himself and PFA chairman Ben Perkis. However, we're hearing that Taylor will remain in the role while an independent review of the organisation is conducted. So he's stepping down. He'll stay right. in the role while this review is continued, but he will step down as chief executive of the PFA after nearly four decades in the job. That just being confirmed mm. in the last few moments here.
Thank you very much, Joe. So, yeah, the long goodbye we kind of discussed yeah, well, effectively, right. understandably, because, you know, after that, there's quite a lot of handing over to do when you've been doing a job for 30 oh, yeah, years. Absolutely. Really. Uh, anyway, there's an, another example of uh, a referee having to leave the ground in disguise, and that comes from Argentina. So we'll keep our powder dry on that one Ooh, for Tim okay. Vickery, who will be joining us shortly. He's got all sorts of uh, referee and shenanigans that goes on there. But in the meantime, man, do you have anything else? Well, this letter, you saw, you spotted it earlier, the letter I've cut out from Tony from Selby, he wrote to the Daily Star. He's not said, Tony Selby? No, no, just Tony from Selby. Okay. He, he's running about a bloke called Chelsea Steve. He says, Chelsea Steve, totally agree with you about Ronnie O'Sullivan, M8. I hate it when people do that. He's the most talented sportsman ever. And by the way... NFC forever. If you think Ronnie's boring, you want to go to Specsavers. Surely thinking something is boring is a matter of opinion. You can't get opinions at Specsavers, do you? So you haven't thought <laughs> it through, Tony, you idiot. Touch. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're deconstructing that a bit too much. Well, that's so this, what I do I mean, this morning. is a letter to the Star. It wasn't to the New York Review of Books. Yes. Somebody it? I know had two letters published, two texts printed in the Star. Two today. in the Star two, today. Yes. It's a world record for him. He's got a lot of time on his hands. He has, yeah. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. The other thing doing the rounds now, you've probably seen this, haven't you? This was the game in Turkey, the under-14 player in Turkey. Yes, just saw it on the screen. Yeah, it's it's a Corinthian casuals, we call it. I think he's on for a uh, fair play award, don't you? Mm. Uh, Was given a penalty that he felt he didn't deserve because he fell over. He said to the ref, not a pen ref, and she said, well, I'm sorry, I've given it now, you've got to take it. So he just deliberately stuck it wide. It's amazing that refs don't have a, the license to change. Well, I suppose once they've made the, the ref's decision, yeah. it's final, even if it's wrong. She, I mean, it did actually, you know, to be fair to her, kind of, it, it, it was only at one particular angle. The angle she saw it, you can understand why she thought it. Uh, and he certainly didn't die because he got yeah. straight up and said it's not a ref. He was I've seen worse pens. He did quite a good job of it, really. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It wasn't, wasn't too bad. Anyway, let's uh, enter the world of uh, endurance penny farthing racing. Oh, good. And uh, because our next guest is planning to get from Land's End to John O'Groats, one end of the country to the other, effectively, in five days uh, on the, that old Victorian contraption. But having just watched footage of him... Uh, riding through London on a penny farthing and look at the uh, speeds he gets up. Suddenly I'm a believer. I, I couldn't see it until then. Uh, Richard Thoday joins us. How are you, Richard? It's okay. Yeah, look, uh, as I said, now I've seen you in action because uh, I, I thought this, this seemed impossible. We thought it would take about three or four weeks. Well, normally you see people on a penny farthing and they're kind of slowly kind of trundling along the street. They don't look like they're built for speed, but looking at your bike, it looks like it, it's a racing penny farthing, isn't it? It is, that's right, yeah. I think that people's idea of a penny farthing, when, if they haven't seen them at speed, they think of it as more a comedy bike or a circus bike, uh, a very slow, uh, cumbersome thing. But no, they really can shift those machines, as yeah. you've seen on that film. Yeah. Are you still the, uh, the champion? You are the, you are the UK national penny farthing champion. You, do you still hold the record? I was. We've not. We've not had a championship race for quite some time now. So um, I think it's kind of <laughs> for, it's fallen been into that void. But now it's four years ago. Yeah. Um, but no, I'm one of the, one of the fastest riders. Um, but uh, there are some some other extraordinarily uh, competent riders, and, and they are they're amazing to race when you get into a, a bunch of, of riders close together at speeds of, sort of 25, 30 miles an hour, banking around corners. It's uh, <laughs> it's quite exciting, shall we put it? Well, how so how did you get into this? What made you go from, I take it you, you started on a regular bike and, and graduated yeah. to a penny farthing? Yeah, I did. There's a wonderful race that happens over in Cheshire, uh, Nutford, but only happens once every 10 years. And when I first heard about it, I, I sort of entered immediately because it only happens once every 10 years. 
uh, and then stood back and thought, hang on, I've never ridden a penny farthing. I haven't got a penny farthing. So I had to go out and find one to borrow and learn to ride it and uh, entered the race and came just about last. But it was such good fun. It, it, it's difficult to ex- describe the kind of sense of exhilaration and, and speed when you're that high up yeah. on, on a machine that's potentially very, very dangerous to ride. Um, yeah. You, yeah. I imagine the first thing you got. Have, have you ever fallen off? I mean, well, uh, yeah, I mean, must have done, surely. I try, I, I try very hard not to. Um, it, yeah, when you fall off, because you're kind of trapped underneath the handlebars, but high up. Um, and it's on the point of balance. You're sitting right over the, the main axle. So if anything goes wrong, you're going headfirst over the front with the bike following behind. So, yeah, crashes at speed, they're, they're, always, they're always nasty. Um, I heard a figure the other day, and I don't know how true this is, but a figure quoted that in the Victorian era, at their height of use, um, they were killing 3,000 riders a year. Well, I'm not sure or not, but that, I know. Yeah, they, yeah, you have to take it, take it seriously. One of those machines. So the first thing to master is getting on one. I imagine that for the uninitiated, when they're presented with a bike, it's it's not altogether obvious. Do you need you a ladder. Are you, well, I don't know. Let's find out, Richard. How do you? How, how well, does, how I mean, a novice that's... climb on. Yeah, that's what a lot of people think. You kind of climb up and then, and then somehow get it going. But no, the, the way to do it, it, there's little mounting pegs or steps. Most of us have one. Big ones have two steps. So you, you stand behind it and put a foot on it and scoot it along. And once the wheel's rolling on a smooth surface, it'll roll a long way before you have to pedal. So then you can climb up uh, and get on the saddle, get your feet on the pedals, and then you can get it underway. So it's uh, it's, it's it's not as difficult as you think because they, they do balance really nicely. Um, getting off is the harder bit because you've got to find a step to get off and it's behind you and you can't see it. So that's a, that's a bit more tricky. But once you got that mastered, now they're, they're really nice. The record, they're the right. record you're trying to set, is it true? It was set in nine, sorry, in eighteen eighty six. Yeah, that's right. One hundred and thirty two years ago, wow. um, which is difficult to get your head around. Mm. Um, the fact, I mean, people have tried to beat it, but nobody's managed it. Um, and what was and that? I mean, have you looked into what that the the person who did that was riding? Because you know, you've got all the technology of a kind of racing um, penny farthing, and 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 they clearly didn't. They didn't, but Penny Farthing really hasn't changed. Um, the bike I'm riding will be a, a steel frame, just like uh, the bike he rode. So tyres, no gears, um, brake is pretty inadequate, to say the least. Um, so it's basically the same machine. I mean, the thing that's changed is everything around it um, in terms of navigation, nutrition, clothing, lighting, uh, mm. condition of the roads. Um, when he rode, 1886, to put it into perspective... Carl Benz was just patenting the internal combustion engine, so there were no cars on the road at all. Oh, way. And that's making it. Which, which means there was no tarmac on the road, so he was riding on, on pretty rough roads. Wow. What about a penny farthing Tour de France? Well, they're, they're in, the, <laughs> in the mountains. It'll <laughs> be good. Yeah. One of the <laughs> best happen. rides in the world. There's a fabulous ride, one of the best rides in the world. He's actually ridden the Tour de France route in sequence with a tour the day before. Wow. The whole thing. I know. Wow. What shows to, they are capable machines, you know. If you know how to ride it and you're prepared to suffer a bit, you can travel some some fair distances. As I'm about, well, hopefully going to find out. We'll see. Yeah. It's a, bit of a step into the unknown, lands into John O'Groats. Um, but I just wanted to try and find find out what it was like for him, in in a sense. Is travel the, the whole length of the country. What about the gears and stuff? Is it work great similarly? I mean, you've got if you've got you've got some pretty big hills to get up and down on that ride. So yeah, you... that's right. There are no gears. Um, it's it's <laughs> a direct drive. Oh, <laughs> There's wow. no free no free wheel. You just when you get to a hill, you pedal slower and slower, and if you can't keep it going, then you get off. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and then you can't get back on again. Yeah, that's, the <laughs> that's right. Until you get right to the top. Yeah, so yeah. Try and ride as much as I can, um, but yeah, we'll we'll see how it goes. There are some big hills. Big and, hills on the route, so. You won't know until you get going. You've got a pretty good feeling you can break this, though. 
It's quite weather dependent. The wind direction is quite critical. Um, But, you know, I wouldn't be trying it if I didn't think we've got a a fairly serious shot Mm. at it. Um, But five days on a penny farthing really is, you know, we're we're talking 17, 18 hours a day of riding. It's a a journey into the for me. Uh, so we'll see, but yeah. sorry, I think we were just going to preempt with that. We are doing it to try and raise money yeah. for uh, children in need. Mm. So um, you know, a lot of people have already put money into the pot for that. So thanks to all those people, um, and that make, that's going to you know give me the impetus to to work that bit harder at it. And um, you're doing it in July, is this right? So hopefully the weather, I mean, you never know, it's, it's midges up in Scotland. Then if it's the mid-season then, is it could be you have to watch yourself, make sure you, you spray you yourself. Ride, ride, ride faster to keep away from Yeah, it. yeah. And <laughs> um, so people can go to your Just Giving page and uh, yeah. and hopefully yeah. get you nearer your target. And look, we'll catch up with Am you. Am I going to ask the question I always ask people? I, I, do you want to do that? I've got we, to. Okay. Just out of curiosity Okay, for then. The name Thoday uh, has attracted uh, Andy because uh, uh, somebody we know shares that surname. Well, well-known okay. uh, theatrical and TV agent, I'd yeah. say. One of the best. John Thoday. Any John relation? Thoday. Almost certainly is. There aren't many Thodays around. I do yeah. know one or two John Thodays. So, yeah. I think the Cambridge are Thodays, I think. Can I just say before we finish this conversation, um, put, uh, taking this, uh, this record on it is costing a fair bit. And at the moment, I'm doing it as an amateur. Um, I have a full-time job. Um, but it's going to cost quite a bit to do it. So if anybody out there wants to sponsor the attempt and put their name on my shirt... Great, great opportunity for them to, to get some publicity and help us uh, tackle this record. There we are. That was this afternoon's show. and we, Richard Thode, that's incredible, isn't it? Mm. What a what an attempt that will be if he can do it, Andy. I'd like to think you'll be there at the finish line. Of course you will. Yeah, no, you liar. Uh, anyway, uh, that's us. Uh, he's raising money for charity, like all of these things. You have a bit of decency, man. Uh, we will catch up with you tomorrow from one. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4 p.m. on TalkSport. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas... You will be timed. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> a lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. And so much more. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.